Ever snore so loud it registered as an earthquake or you woke up with a throat as dry as the Sahara Desert and a headache that could stop a locomotive? Well, I've had all of these because I have sleep apnea. Hi, I'm Scott Mitchell. Yep, I wear a machine plugged into a wall attached to a hose every night. Sound Sleep Medical changed all of this for me, and they can do that for you. They specialize in providing oral appliance therapy for individuals suffering from sleep disorders. In many cases, oral appliances have proven to be as effective as CPAP machines in treating sleep apnea. The lack of sleep is a serious health risk and has been linked to heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and even depression. The oral appliance I got from Sound Sleep Medical has freed me from a hose. I can go anywhere, and I've never slept better. Call Sound Sleep Medical today. Seriously, for a limited time, the first 25 people that call get a free consultation worth 200 bucks. Call 801-783-5451. It's 801-783-5451. Hello, I'm Jim Bennett. I'm Abby Bennett. This is Dinner Table Politics, and we are in the final home stretch of the Utah legislative session. Truly thought it would never end. Truly thought it would never end. Are you excited? Are you thrilled? Are you disappointed? What, what, what are, how is the legislature affecting your day-to-day life? Um, I'm bummed out, I would say. Why are you bummed out? I don't know. I feel like um, a lot of like the initiatives that we voted for were pretty much scrapped and thrown out the window and right. i don't know it just doesn't seem like it's been a real legislative session of like listening to the people as it were i think that's a, a valid criticism i've been you know i have my spy in the legislature that i sing in the choir with and he was really bent out of shape by the huge tax bill that the legislature was trying to inflict on the state without any real input from anybody and I got a better comprehensive sense of what that bill was supposed to be. And he's very proud of the fact that it has been tabled. It is not going to pass. It's not even going to come up for a vote. Uh, and that's they're, they're probably going to call a special session to bring it up. But, so has there like been a tax bill passed at all? Like, Don't they have to do that every session or something? For- well, they have to pass appropriations bills. They have to pass funding bills. But this was going to completely restructure the Utah tax code in ways that were going to have all kinds of unintended consequences. The goal was to bring down the tax rate. Right now the tax rate is, I think, 4.75% for state income taxes. And there aren't a whole lot of deductions to be able to bring that down. And the goal was to bring that down to something like 1.75%. I mean, okay. Bring it down three whole points, which is a massive cut if you don't find ways to make up for that in other ways. And what they were going to do was create fees on services so that everything essentially would be subject to a sales tax. And the reason why that's problematic is that things like banks, for instance, uh, if you go to a Utah bank, you would have to pay this sales tax. But if you go online and you start banking with a national bank, that doesn't have a Utah office, you wouldn't have to pay that oh, sales tax. Buy Zions. Right. So local banks would end up really hurting as people look for ways to the avoid Zions taxes. The Zions Bank app is the only app I've ever read a, I've ever left negative review for on the App Store. Why? Because it bugged me so bad. What was wrong like, with it? It would just be. It was so glitchy, and like it would just crash all the time. And I'm the kind of person who 
procrastinates important things and so i would like be in the checkout line and like trying to transfer money from like savings to checking you know so that i could buy my groceries and it would just crash and i would be like oh well guess i'm not getting groceries then and if you were having to pay taxes on everything you do at zion's bank you would start banking with bank of america or honestly i'm pretty lazy i don't even know if i would it sounds like a lot of work to transfer all right so you would have been been sucked into this new tax but it, i mean one of the things that it would have done for instance is it would have required piano teachers to charge sales tax <laughs> to their students you know and I mean, just you, you look at that and it's just the the amount of paperwork the amount of bureaucracy necessary to enforce that kind of a new tax is mind-boggling and it's just stunning to me that the legislature thought that they could just do this without telling anybody that they could just sort of slide this past the people of Utah without really giving them a whole lot of input on how it's going to work. So I think that's consistent with your criticism that they really weren't interested in listening to people. They had their own agenda and were simply moving forward with it without being bothered by the input of the people they're supposed to be representing. Why, though? That's so, that's always so confusing to me because like these, like these people aren't like – you know, they're not like billionaire, like Donald Trump types. Like I would, right. I would think they're pretty in touch with like other Utahns and what they want and with their families and their neighbors and stuff. Like, well, yeah, and to their I'm credit, I'm always confused by why they're so, I don't know, doing stuff like this that people so clearly do not want. Well, to their credit, we have a part-time legislature. Uh, they're not getting rich doing this. They're not really getting paid hardly anything. Uh, they do get uh, health insurance. That's one of the benefits of working for the legislature. For, like, not just during the session. but No, for, yeah. Oh. I um, was going to say, like, <laughs> they probably tell our kids if that were the case, they'd be like, okay, you can only get the flu in January and February then. Right. You can only get, like... We're only covered when we're up on the hill. If you're going to break your leg, do it in February. Right. But, you know, we have legislators that are electricians that are blue collar workers that are not really though most of them are most of them most of them are like lawyers and real estate agents yeah a lot of real estate agents and it's surprising to me because the real estate agents i think would be the ones that are pushing back the hardest on this new kind of tax because they probably end up paying it when i was running for the state legislature way back when the first question i got was from realtors saying do you support a tax on services and i looked at them like a deer in the headlights because i didn't know what they were talking about and this is what they were talking about. This is the kind of tax bill they were afraid of. And that was in 2006. So it continues to bubble up. The legislature continues to talk about this and think about this. And they think thought they could just sort of spring it on us and that nobody would push back. Not so fast. Not so fast. So that, I think, is probably um, the biggest victory for the people that's come out of this legislative session. Now I know how... The people at the end of Les Mis felt. Right. No, never mind. They all died. That They lost that. I forgot how Les Mis ended. Never uh, mind. Les Mis end. How does Les Mis end? Well, like everyone at the barricade dies. Yeah, there's a lot of death. So, but but it, no, it's a happy ending. I'm John no, Val, Jean Valjean. Dies. Yeah, I guess he does die. But you see that him was go a, to heaven. That was a terrible there. metaphor. I'm all right. sorry. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> I guess Les Mis is probably not the best comparison to make here with the legislative session. Uh, but I, in terms of the things that were most disappointing, uh, obviously the restructuring of the initiatives is a huge disappointment. Yeah, what the heck, man? And 
That but, was. Um, we've talked about that, that at length. But dumb. Yeah, we. Have. It was dumb, and I think it, it was dumb, and it was stupid. It was. What's the difference between, between being dumb and stupid? Um, I don't have time to get into that. All right. Continue. Good. Continue. Uh, it it they also were creating a new process by which it would be more difficult to pass initiatives. Utah Dope. already has one of the most difficult initiative processes in the in the country and they wanted to make it more difficult because they don't want to deal with this kind of criticism so the easiest way to avoid this criticism is to avoid initiatives and to put all kinds of roadblocks in place to keep it's initiatives like, from happening. It's like oh happening. I have I have a good metaphor now. Oh, good, it's good, like good when I uh, when Louis the 14th no Louis, Louis the 16th and Marie Antoinette where they were like oh we're tired of hearing all these poor starving people complain in Paris so let's move to Versailles. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm so good at that. That's really good. So do you think the legislature should move? Let them eat cake, except she didn't really say she that. She never really said that. Uh, but should the legislature move then to Fillmore, which is where the original territorial capital was? Yeah, and then, we, and then criticism? we bring them back like in a, in a march with like um, flaming torches and like swords and stuff. That sounds really good. And put them in the Bastille. Just do we kidding. have a Bastille? We don't even have a Bastille. I don't um, know. Can we build one? Where the Harmons downtown, maybe. Oh, it's the Harmons downtown is wonderful. It's it's pretty sturdy. So you think that would make for a good Bastille? Yeah. Where so the guillotine goes right into City Creek? I don't want to. I don't want to joke about killing people. Now we're yeah. We don't want to kill the legislators, and the legislators have done. I, they should stay alive. Yes. yes. Hot take. Hot. They, sh- they deserve to live. <laughs> they deserve to live, and they really do. I think for the most part, make major sacrifices in order to serve. Okay. So I, I, I don't want this to be a bashing of legislators. But it's disappointing that they're not listening to the people. And I think when we get back from our break, I want to talk about what I think the most disappointing thing that came out of the legislature was. Okay. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay. So we've talked about the initiatives being disappointing, but I think there's something even more disappointing that happened. What do you think that might be? In the legislature or just yeah. life overall? Okay, well, start with life overall. I want to hear that. That's kind of fun. Mosquitoes are pretty disappointing. You're disappointed in mosquitoes? I just You're disappointed wish they, they exist? Yeah. They don't, I just don't get the point. Yeah. They're just, they're just bringers of death. That's, that's true. Mosquitoes are bad. And the le- legislature didn't do anything to stop them. So maybe that's disappointing. But I don't so know. they're on the side of the mosquitoes. Oh, jeez. Disgusting. <laughs> Someone please comment from the legislature your stance on mosquitoes. Your, your mosquito position. Uh, I was very encouraged early in the process when a bill that would ban conversion therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, I got excited about that as well. Was introduced and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints announced that they would not oppose it. Yeah. Which is really a huge, huge deal. Uh, Have I talked about my experience talking to government affairs at the church when I interviewed for that position? Have I talked about that Um, on this podcast? I'm not sure. So years and years ago, I went and interviewed for the position of government affairs director for the church. And it was really fascinating because the guy who was interviewing me was the current government affairs director at the time. And what he said was, we know that the church has the biggest stick in the state, that when we say jump, 
legislators will say how high, which is why we choose not to use it. Hmm. He says that, you know, when you go up to the hill. But they do use it a lot. Well, when they use it, he said the flip side of that is that when we use it, it's because it's gone up and down the whole chain of command that the entire first presidency and council of the 12 has signed off on everything. And we recognize that when we do take political positions, that it's a really big step to take. And so we never, ever do that lightly. So the, the issues where the church has taken political positions, like, for instance, immigration. Yeah. Uh, it's a huge deal. and Weed. Uh, they did. Yeah, they did. And then they backed off from that. And they backed a compromise. Yeah, they were like, oh, people really like their weed. People, are people really, really like their weed. I, I actually think that the church taking a position on that um, hurt the effort to defeat Proposition 2. Yeah, I think that there were a lot of people that came out and were so angry that the church had taken a position that they voted the opposite way. So, Not that it matters. Not that it matters, yeah, because the legislature decided to mess it up anyway. But the the fact that the church, the, the church uh, several years ago uh, backed a bill by Senator Steve Urquhart, who you know, you're familiar I'm, with. I, oh, yes, I'm familiar with his you're work. You're familiar with his work. The Urquharts were our neighbors in St. George. We really, really like the Urquharts. And he had sponsored the bill that was a compromise measure that allowed for, it was an anti-discrimination bill against LGBT people and allowed them uh, protections in terms of employment and housing and a number of other things. And really for a, for a while it was considered sort of the gold standard as to how to balance religious liberty with anti-discrimination and with individual rights of LGBT people. It's come under fire since, and I think that there are probably things we need to do to, to strengthen the anti-discrimination measures. But the church's involvement in that was huge and allowed for this bill to pass when it probably otherwise would not have passed. Mm-hmm. The next year, Steve Urquhart introduced a hate crimes bill that didn't pass, that the church sort of torpedoed. What? Uh, yeah, the church, he, he, was, he introduced a hate crimes bill that it would, would have strengthened protections against LGBT people. And the church issued a press release saying that would upset the delicate balance that had been struck the year before, and so we don't want to do that. And just that press release was enough to essentially kill the bill. The bill didn't wow. come up for it; just died because of the church's opposition. So the fact that the church was not willing to oppose the conversion therapy bill gave us a lot of promise that that bill would likely be passed. Yeah, and then, then uh, I don't know what happened behind the scenes. I suspect something did because it was. It was Representative Lysenby. 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 Yeah. How is that pronounced? Syracuse. From Syracuse. Carrie Ann Lysenby introduced a compromise, quote unquote, bill that was significantly watered down, that allowed all kinds of loopholes that would have allowed certain, met, certain avenues of conversion therapy to Why, continue. Why, Carrie Ann? Why? Well, I, I don't really want to blame her as much as I want to blame the governor. Well, I want a scapegoat, so well, give me gonna, someone to be mad about. I think you need to be mad at the governor. Okay, be, done. 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 It's all done. Because as soon as Representative Lysenby introduced the bill, the governor immediately endorsed it and gave it its stamp of approval. Yes, yes, this is the measure we want. And... 
And Equality Utah, Troy Williams, the director of Equality Utah, yeah. uh, backed uh, pulled pulled back his support. Pulled back yeah, equality. He was. Um, I think it was him and somebody else. They were on like a gubernatorial like anti suicide task force. Right, that's what he resigned yeah, from the anti suicide. Yeah, task and they force. resigned from that, which is so sad. Well, because because um, conversion therapy was like cited as maybe one of the reasons why Utah has such a high suicide rate among right. youth, especially LGBT youths. Right. And Utah has a tragic history of supporting conversion therapy. And, I mean, looking at this, I thought it might be a good idea to go back and figure out a little bit about the history of conversion hmm, therapy. Sounds like an informative and depressing time. <laughs> it's, it's both of those things. So as I'm looking at it. I'm finding out that the first time conversion therapy is ever really tried. Give me a date. When do you think the date would be? Um, no looking at my computer. 1824. 1899. Oh, wow. Uh, apparently there was a German psychiatrist who bragged that he could turn a gay man straight, and he did it by means of 45 hypnosis sessions and some trips to a brothel. Oh, I hate this. This is it's just makes me sick to my stomach. It's yeah. gross. Oh, well, this is a guy named Albert von Schranknotzing. And he was the first person to say that this was possible. And we trusted him? A guy named Schranknotzing? Well, really? No, I mean, it, it didn't become his 45 sessions with some brothel visits didn't become the standard. It just sort of got the ball rolling where people decided, okay, this is a psychiatric problem. And there's got to be some kind of psychiatric solution. Man, psychiatrists, like in the early 1900s, like Freud and friends, you know? Yeah. That was a wild, wild time. Well, Freud was bananas. Freud was bananas. He was and absolutely I don't understand. bonkers. I mean, do people still pay any attention to what well, anything Freud I, had like, to say? All, everything he said has been debunked. But then, like, when I took the MCAT, like, the medical school at college admissions test, like, you still have to memorize, like, his stages of development. Yeah. Which, like, what? Why? What? I mean, They're I, so obviously garbage. There, there's nothing. I I don't know if there are Freudians out there that are offended. I just don't see oh, anything. Oh, I don't. Who who's a Freudian? First of all, oh, second I, of all, Freud was on cocaine 99 percent of the time. So yeah, and that he thought that was. There's a fascinating book where they they. I'm not, I wish I could remember the title of the book, but it's C.S. Lewis arguing with Sigmund Freud even though the two of them never met. I was going to say, like, what? They the? took the arguments of both of them for and against. The Case for God, it's called. And Sigmund Freud was very much on the opposing side, and he spent a good deal of his life very depressed, and the only thing that kept him from being too depressed was his cocaine habit. Mm -hmm. You know, So cocaine, mm -hmm. the moral of the story is, to be a Freudian, you have to be hopped up on cocaine for most of the time. And you'll be happy. Yeah, good times. Well, so in the 1920s, there was an endocrinologist named Eugene Steineck. I want to say Eugene, but it's, it's spelled E-U-G-E-N. So Eugen? I don't know. Anyway, he, <laughs> um, he decided that the way to the best conversion therapy was to remove the testicles of okay, a heterosexual this is, person. This is not a good thing to talk and about. And of a homosexual and replace them. Okay, no. Good times. Sorry. They're going to make you cut that out. No, well... I mean, this is history. We're dealing with history. Yeah, this is medical history. Sigmund Freud. This isn't a medical history podcast, though. Well, no, but but the thing is, when you're talking about conversion therapy, I think you need to look at it head on. 
and know exactly what it is that you're defending if you're defending conversion therapy. These are the kind of practices that conversion therapy is rooted in. Yeah. And I think people need to know that, don't they? This, is, this has not been sunshine and roses. All right, well, when we get back from our break, I want to talk a little bit about Sigmund Freud and what Sigmund Freud thought about conversion All right. Therapy. All right, you have convinced me that I probably need to edit out some of the words. They're not dirty words. They're medical words. But I don't know if they're appropriate words for the radio. So Don't expose me like that. No, well, I... The thing is, I, I I do think it's important that people recognize just how many awful things have I happened. I agree. I agree. So so Sigmund Freud, he hypothesized that everybody is born in, in love with their mom. Uh, partly, they are also innately bisexual. That you're born and so something terrible happens to you and you choose to be gay. That was essentially Sigmund Freud's idea. Hmm. And he never really got into conversion therapy per se, but people used Freudian ideas to do this. And so the, the, the things that people started to do was there was electroconvulsive therapy. Yeah. Uh, where people were shocked. Um, with, That's as, the kind of thing you see on like TV shows and stuff, I, I feel like, whenever you watch. Right. Like on American Horror Story season two, they do that. Yeah, among as, other as, things. as part of a conversion therapy thing. Yeah, one of the one of the ladies that's in the asylum is there wrongfully, but they still do it to her. And oh, geez. Well, it's, but then there's also like aliens and well, and Nazis and zombies and stuff. So there's a there's a lot going on in the asylum. Well, there's so much abuse that took place, even in the 20th century. I, I, every time I read about the Kennedy family and what they did to that one daughter, and they gave her a lobotomy. Yeah, that's horrible. Um, it's just awful. And and conversion therapy uh, functioned along those same kinds of lines. You had the electroshock therapy. Well, we don't know what it is, so let's just like stick something sharp in it and move it around. And right, that was lobotomies. That Probably was... not as much as conversion therapy, but it was. It was like the I, I guess like yeah the same kind of idea that. Right. We don't know what it is, so we'll just try anything. Well, and that's kind of what they did to try to change people from being homosexuals. They, You also had aversion therapy. Yeah. Uh, which was kind of like electroshock therapy, but they would actually give you chemicals that would make you vomit as you looked at photographs of your of your lovers. They, they There's a drug like that for alcohol. Like you take it, and then if you drink it's it's this isn't the same thing at all obviously no but like if you take if you like drink and you're on this drug it'll like make you incredibly nauseous so well, the great. idea yeah but i don't think it's very popular uh i don't it think, sounds terrible well it reminds me of the people who who uh leave beer out for their dogs so their dogs can get totally drunk and then they so disgusted with beer who does that i don't know it was on an episode of mash so so then it has to be true. So it has to be true. That's the only thing I'm thinking of. Uh, so, yeah, aversion therapy involved chemicals. It involved elect- electrical shocks. They would show you gay pornography, and then they would shock you so, as if that's going to that's gonna fix you. Uh, um, and they were they, – they it It's torture. It's like, torture. It's yeah, they would torture. torture gay people and assume that that torture would somehow turn you straight. And it doesn't turn you straight. And they would claim cure rates as high as 50%. That's it? That's I would have thought it. they would say higher. Well, I don't think that, that 
they could do that with a straight face because the cure rates were essentially 0%. Well, yeah. And and that's what's happened. So you have – it got a little less nasty uh, as time had gone on. And uh, But even in Utah, you had the Evergreen Foundation that was designed to turn people straight. And I don't think the Evergreen Foundation ever um, – ever really got into the electroshock stuff. I've heard some stories, but I think most, most recently what they would do, and I know people who have participated in these kinds of groups, what they would essentially do is, is they'd have you play sports. <laughs> the idea is if you're gay, if you're a gay man. It's better than this, just some guys being dudes. Just some guys being dudes. Obviously, if you're a gay man, the problem is – you just haven't spent enough time bonding with other dudes doing dude things. And so, Interesting take. So they would have football leagues and baseball leagues and, you know, manly sorts of things. And the idea was if you do that, then you can sort of uh, get over – I don't know what it would do, but it, what it wouldn't do is turn people straight. I mean, I, I've always said – that if homosexuality is really environmental, if that would work, I should be gay. I, I, I hated sports growing up. I was terrible at them. I never enjoyed them. I was always involved in musical theater. I was in a children's choir. You know, I was doing all of the sorts of things, and that should have turned me gay, shouldn't it? It didn't. It- You know, I don't know what to say right now. This is a dark and then weird topic. I'm sorry, you don't want to discuss your your father whether or not he should have turned gay. Yeah, I am not having a good time right now. I apologize. I'm deeply uncomfortable. I apologize for that. Uh, So, well, so so let's get specific. Then there are so many states now that have banned conversion therapy. Not so many. Yeah, you're right. It's not nearly as many as I thought. New Jersey banned it in 2013, California banned it in 2012, Oregon banned it in 2015, Illinois in 2015, Vermont in 2016, and in the last two years, New Mexico, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Nevada, Washington, Hawaii, Delaware, Maryland, New Hampshire, New York. New York banned it this year in January. Good job, New York. So that's, that's 15 states out of 50 that have banned conversion therapy. There, the District of Columbia banned it, and there are a number of different counties that have banned it. I mean, if you go through the counties, there's something like 50 different cities and counties and municipalities that have banned conversion therapy. But the, the fact that fift, only 15 states have banned this practice is a little disconcerting. And, it, you know, so a lot of people were really excited to see that Utah – which is one of the which is probably the most republican state in the nation. Is it? It is. Th- really? Utah is the reddest of all red states. Really? Yeah. By by almost all counts, it's you know, in 1992, Utah's the only place where Bill Clinton came in third behind Ross Perot and George H.W. Bush. Huh. I, it may be lessening a little bit and I don't think people are as in love with Trump in Utah as much as they are anywhere else. But Utah's still an extraordinarily conservative state, so a lot of opponents of conversion therapy were looking at this and saying Utah could take the lead. And just as Utah took the lead in striking a balance between we religious fumbled. freedom. Uh, we fumbled it bad. We fumbled it bad here. 
and and we need to go back and change it. That's a sports term. If you oh, know. see, I wouldn't know that yeah. because I I didn't like sports growing yeah, up. Yeah, that's why I explained it. That's good. I appreciate that. So, do you think something was happening behind the scenes? I mean, do you think the governor was nervous about getting out in front on this? I kind of do. Um, I'm giving you my my conspiratorial take on this. Ooh, ooh. Um, I I guess so. Like, it would be strange for just one representative to be like, I don't like this, and then it just gets scrapped. You know, that would be weird. Well, uh, I don't know. She's come under fire because a lot of there were some tweets. Yeah, some, there were. It was Facebook comments. Uh, Facebook comments. Facebook from a posts from like five years ago or something that made it very clear that uh, she really didn't have a problem with conversion right. therapy and has a significant problem right. with also, LGBT rights. Also, did you see that? This is, unre- this is unrelated. But did you see that uh, the legislature just um, decriminalized premarital sex? No. You didn't see that? No. It was, it was considered uh, you're breaking the law, bef- like um, technically. People that were having um, relations outside of marriage. And they just decriminalized it. So. <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. It's not a law that anybody enforced. No. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit, but we'll sum all this up when we get back from our break. Did you also know that in Utah it is against the law to hunt whales on horseback? Oh. Seriously, that's what it was. I'm okay with that. Anything that protects the whales. Yeah. How many whales do we see in the state of Utah? Um... And if you're going to hunt whales, why would you hunt them on horseback? I mean, are there whales in the forest? It'd be dramatic. Yeah. Like Moby Dick would have been a lot more interesting. Right. I, I just remember years and years ago when I was working for a gubernatorial candidate, he looked up what they call blue laws, which are these laws that were passed years and years ago that have stayed on the books, like yeah. premarital sex. I mean, nobody was enforcing that law. Hopefully not. You know, the, the extermination order that allowed... Missourians to shoot Mormons to drive them out of the state by any means necessary. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ. Of Members of the Church Saints. of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Do you remember? Do you know when that was repealed? Pretty recently, right? Nineteen seventy-eight. Nice. Yeah. I'm, great. Now I can go to Missouri. Your grandfather served trip. in the Senate with Kit Bond, who was the governor of Missouri at the time it was repealed, and he gave your grandfather a copy of the repeal order. Very fun souvenir. I think that's on his wall down in his I Love Me room in his house. He would go to it and point and say, this shows that Missourians can't kill me. That's right. That's right. This is good. So, uh, yeah, we clearly have a long ways to go. We clearly have things that we need to address. But I think the good news in this is that this is not an issue that is going to go away. Uh, This is an issue that's going to become more and more pressing as time goes on i appreciated um the lieutenant governor uh when the when the bill got repealed people were understandably very upset and um a lot of people were um you're talking like about the, the, the premarital the, sex no, bill? no no the conversion therapy bill oh, okay a lot of people from like various like activist groups or whatever were like at the capitol and um spencer cox like sat with them and talked with them according to like tweets and stuff i obviously wasn't there but well spencer cox it seemed uh, it seemed like he was genuinely like empathetic for the people yeah i remember after the orlando nightclub shootings spencer cox was getting national attention 
because he said if any of you, if your sympathy uh, dropped when you learned this happened at a gay nightclub, shame on you and shame on us. Yeah. And so Spencer Cox, I think, has spoken out on these issues before. And Spencer Cox, I think, is gearing up to run for governor. And I think these are probably I'd issues. I'd vote for him. Well, uh, you need to vote for the United Utah Party. Kevin. Oh, yeah, sorry. So I don't know who that's going to be. It's not going to be me. Is it going to be you? It's going to be run. me. Yes. I'd vote for is you. There, is there an age limit on governorship? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, it's a very good question. We'll have to research that for the next time around. But these kinds of issues are not going away. And the fact that there was so much outrage over what happened here suggests to me that this is going to come up in the next session, and I think probably something will pass. So that's the goal. That's, there's always another session. This, this session, too, shall end. Uh, well, uh, I'm paraphrasing my theater teacher because I wasn't into sports. I was into theater. My theater teacher once said, whenever you're in a bad show, just remember this, too, shall close. And whenever you're in a bad legislative session, this, too, shall end. Isn't that profound? That is profound. And whenever you're listening... then the nightmare continues the next year. Then the nightmare continues the next year. Well, I think we're probably going to get a special session to deal with the tax issue. And we're probably going to get a whole bunch of other things happening. I don't think that conversion therapy will come up again then. but, But this is why we do these podcasts. This is why it's important to hold your lawmakers' feet to the fire. Because they need to be held accountable, and I think that as we continue Burn to do that... Burn their toes. Burn their Burn toes. Burn their toes. If you are listening to this podcast on the radio, please be sure to subscribe over at iTunes. iTunes. Or iTunes. iTunes, or visit the KSL Podcast Center. In the meantime, I'm Jim Bennett. I'm Abby Bennett. And we will see you next time. Don't listen to anything Sigmund Freud said. Correct. <laughs>